Greetings, this is Eric Postma, horror editor and podcast master here for CatholicReads.com. Today I'm going to bring you an old interview that I did before I joined the Catholic Reads team with author C.D. Verhoff. She's the author of Comet Dust, a Catholic end-of-the-world book that was reviewed at CatholicReads.com quite some time ago, again, before I actually joined. I came into contact with Deanna actually through uh, another website, uh, Fiverr, and I worked as her editor on the book Comet Dust. And it was a great experience, and I thought you would really like to uh, get to know Deanna a little bit and hopefully check out her work. Also, uh, this is... It was originally a video interview that we did over Google Hangouts that I put up on YouTube. So there's going to be a lot of talk about problems with lighting and other technical difficulties that will seem a little bit strange here in an audio format. Other than that, I hope really hope you enjoy it. Check out the review at catholicreads.com. And of course, you can find Deanna's books on Amazon. And I, again, I hope you check them out and I hope you enjoy the interview. Please leave comments and everything below. And tune in next week when we'll bring you another great review from CatholicReads.com. Greetings. Hi, my name is Eric Postma, head honcho and only honcho here at Gingerman Editorial. And today I have with me uh, Ms. Deanna Verhoff, the author of Avant Nation and Comet Dust. And I'm going to tell you right now that she is the best author you have never heard of. And I'm hoping to be able to fix that problem here with this interview. So, Deanna, welcome. Thank you for that introduction. You are very welcome. Oh, and I should preface, um, we're a little later than originally scheduled because um, we have a myriad of uh, technical issues that we had to solve. Uh, Deanna, Deanna couldn't get her camera working. We were trying to do that. Um, and just when we decided that we were going to stop worrying about that, um, my auxiliary lights gave out. Uh, so I had to go to my backup, which is why there's a giant glare on the top of my head right now. Um, I'm not actually wearing a halo or anything like that. It just looks like it. Um, moving on to more important things, which is Deanna and her work. Um, the first thing I've got to ask is, well, let's, let's not ask. Let's talk about your most recent book about, uh, about Comet Dust. Now, um, for the viewers, Comet Dust is, well, you know, what? I'm going to let you explain it. Um, Comet Dust is a dystopian novel with Christian overtones. I mean, the Christian part isn't subtle in this book, unlike my other ones. Uh, it's about a, a college student named, I have my other characters rolling around in my head, uh, <laughs> Applegate. And it opens after a nuclear war and a comet strike. And she is a student struggling to get through her studies. A lot of people have dropped out of school thinking, what's the point? And she is trying to build her vlog following throughout the novel. So she's always commenting on the events going on around her. Um, but uh, it's based, the book is based on Catholic prophecy and scripture. So I've incorporated that into the novel. And um, she goes through some of the things as the prophecies are coming to fruition, like the 
the warning, also known as the illumination of cod conscience, many judgment, and how that affects her, the people around her, and the world in general. Things the world is on a downward spiral, and it's about how she deals with that and um, her faith journey. Right, and um, let let me go ahead and say for anyone that was that is turned off by the description of this as Catholic end of the world book. Um, which, you know, to summarize uh, what you just said, trust me on this, it does not read that way. Uh, it is it is written with this, at least as much depth and understanding of character as any, uh, well, as any novel you're going to pick up, pick up off of the, uh, shall we say, regular uh, fiction section of any, of any bookstore. It does not in any way meet up with any of the uh, Christian fiction stereotypes that are uh, that are prevalent in out, out there in the culture. Um, and in fact, as part of that, one of the things that struck me when reading it, uh, Deanna, is the fact that you don't, no one is demonized in it. There aren't any, uh, there aren't any like clear cut through and through 100% bad guy uh, villains in it, uh, and nor are is anyone romanticized in it. There isn't anyone who is like this person is like everything that everyone else should be. There is there, there's none of that. There's no um, there's no pure villains. There's no pure saints in this book. Um, how how did you manage that? Because that's a really hard. Honestly, I think that's a hard thing to do for writers of any sort of fiction. But especially when you're talking about specifically religious uh, influence fiction, um, that's even harder. So how did you avoid that situation? Well, I think in real life, no one wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to do evil today. Uh, most people, there's even the most evil people like Adolf Hitler had some good running through them somewhere in their life at some point. See, that's just, you can't bring up Hitler. Everybody brings up Hitler. Yeah, he's an easy it's one. A, I mean, he, everybody a, recognized him. <laughs> um, they all didn't start out that way. And um, my, my background, I went through a phase of, I was agnostic in high school. I considered myself an atheist in college. So, I can relate to people who lack faith and I don't think they're evil. So that comes through in my novel. Again, as a, as a convert myself who went through a, uh, we discussed before, I uh, went through a very similar sort of journey. Um, yeah. Uh, people who are in those different places, wherever they are, um, are not, they're not inherently bad people. They're not, uh, they either, well, who knows? Who knows? Maybe they haven't thought about it. Maybe they've been turned off because of, well, there are, uh, there are Christians that fit the negative stereotypes that run around out there. Um, I, I've I've met some of them <laughs> at times. Arguably, arguably, I've been that guy. Yeah, there are good Christians and bad Christians. There are good atheists and bad atheists. I don't think it's black and white. So. And that's, again, that's a thing that comes off uh, beautifully in the novel. Um, another one of the things that came off really well is I thought your um, your description of the world in general, how it, you know, how would a world that is, in fact, 
slowly spiraling downward look like? Um, you know, would we descend into chaos as soon as possible? Would we uh, uh, would we try to try to hang on to normalcy as much as possible? Um, you know, I, I I would say that you uh, went for the holding on to normalcy uh, for as long as possible route. Um, what what made you go with that? Was it, what were were there any influences, or was it just kind of how you were thick writing and plotting things out? Uh, how you how you just genuinely thought that this might go? It's how I generally thought this might go. And most apocalyptic scenario novels that I have read concentrate on the politics of it. Like, like the Left Behind series, it's about a reporter who, you know, rubs shoulders with the big wigs, the Antichrist mm -hmm. and all of that. I wanted to portray it from the perspective of an ordinary person going through an ordinary life and how events that are transpiring would would uh, affect the little guy. So Which that, is in it, yes, in it's in and of itself. I think that's uh, an original approach. There's really um, Gina herself and her friends have very little influence on what's going on. Right. Um, they don't have uh, you know, there's nothing they can do that's going to change what's going on. Um, right. They can only decide how they themselves are going to react to it. Exactly. Exactly. And I kind of put myself in their shoes and think, well, how would I react? How does this, would this person from this background react? And, um, for the novel. And again, uh, all of that comes off. It extremely well um oh goodness i lost my train of thought there for a moment uh well th the fact that you know despite you know there's nothing that they could do to affect what's really the, the big picture of what's going on there's still uh gina still has a personal drama that she's living out that affects her friends and her family and um and her own friends and family they very clearly have their own journeys, their own personal dramas that are going through. Um, I think there's actually a great job. I think you did a great job of having a number of really good supporting characters um, from Kylie to, uh, oh goodness, I forget. What was it? What was uh, Gina's eventual uh, boyfriend's name? Was, um, her first. Well, the first one was Jeremy. Oh, the other one was uh, Zach. Zach, Zach yeah. Thank you. Yes. Thank I you. think about it too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jer Jeremy, who is kind of the first guy that she starts off with, but he's he's a developed character as as well. He's got his he's got his struggles, but you know, everybody in the story also clearly leans a certain way. Um, and you don't, but a lot of them you don't know exactly where they're gonna land mm -hmm. uh, until well into the story. I won't say the very end, because that that would wind up being a little deus ex. Although, honestly, deus ex is appropriate for this novel. But that's beside the point. <laughs> um, uh, but yes, uh, the, the plot, the characters, and everything, all, I would have to say, are done ex exceptionally well. Um, what were some... Yeah, I mean, you mentioned uh, Catholic prophecy and everything. I think also, um, for, for the clarity of the... Uh, for the clarity of anyone watching this, I do want to say that... Um, the Catholic Church itself has actually no defined uh, doctrine on how the world's going to end. 
Right. Um, there is no like there is there is no Catholic left behind. Right. Uh, there, there, I there is this from private revelation, most of right. it, and you are free as a Catholic to embrace it or dismiss much of it. It's not binding to believe. And right. I I peppered the story with a lot of my own imagination. It's not meant to be a prophecy in and of itself. It's just how I I read a lot about uh, apocalyptic like prophecies from the saints and the blesseds and even took some from scripture and just put it in it strung along to make a novel out of it but it's not meant to be a prophecy yeah i just wanted to get that get that out there to clarify yeah. anything from anybody watching that this is this is a work this is intended uh from start to finish as a work of fiction right uh, peppered with ver with various um it's, it's supposed to be person. entertaining. My goal yeah. is to entertain people, not to convert them. Right. Hey, if that should happen, great. But that's not my goal. And I think uh, I think it's evidence of that. And I don't want to give a. I'm, I'm not going to give away the end. Don't worry. Um, but except the only thing I am going to say is that at the end, it isn't like ever, the whole world suddenly comes down to be suddenly decides to become Catholic. Uh, that right. that doesn't happen. And I think if nothing else proves what you just said, that the goal is not uh, to convert, but to entertain, um, that right there does. Right. But I want to add, which I was moved by, a friend of mine does prison ministry, and she mm -hmm. gave a copy of a book to an inmate, and he was extremely moved by it, by the, um, and he's, he did some pretty serious crimes, but he was really moved and it gave him a feeling of hope. Uh, your, your book or, or another one? Comet, Comet Dust. I was really awesome. surprised. She has a letter. Yeah, she has a letter. She's going to send it to me that he sent her that he was so moved by that book, which surprised me, but in a good way, because it's, it had a profound effect on him. You just never know what, what books are going to affect somebody. And, oh, no, absolutely not. You don't. And I, honestly, that's that's fantastic to hear. And I'm I'm also not surprised because uh, the the book is like that. The book, you know, regardless of intent, does make one think if you're paying attention and reading it uh, with an open right. mind. Um, moving on to Avant Nation. Um, now I haven't, I still haven't been able to finish uh, reading this one. Unfortunately, day job and uh, other uh, other work. Lots of yeah, the life of a the life of a writer and editor. Uh, <laughs> with right. still a day job, unfortunately. Um, and, but I have read enough to know that this is another really good one. It's uh, again, it's dystopian. It's dystopian more in the way that most dystopian fiction is. Um, you've kind of already gone through whatever crisis there was um, that led that led to the situation that starts out in the book. Um, right. Arguably, uh, arguably, Comet Dust is kind of like a in transition. A dystopian novel um like this is this is the big crisis that leads to whatever situation that most people would write the novel about <laughs> right in in avant nation the um crisis happened and the world isn't in decline the main character lives in a world that's very technologically advanced and wealthy and um the whole society is based on genetic engineering all of the citizens are genetically engineered, enhanced to perform their occupations, which are chosen by the government. So their lives are rigidly planned out. 
And at first, Clara, the main character, you know, thinks it's great. You know, she's been conditioned, brainwashed to think that's the best. Uh, Literally from conception. Right, right, from conception. They are brainwashed. They're not... Um, they're not raised in a normal family. They're they're created in factories by geneticists, and they have a virtual reality education while they're in their artificial wombs to speed up the learning process so they can join the workforce faster. Because everything in Avantika—that's the name of our country—is about efficiency, productivity, and the motto is the good of the whole, not the good of the individual. The good of the whole takes precedence over the rights of the individual. And the country has eliminated most diseases, poverty, and um, has gone on to become the superpower, the wealthiest in the world. So the results speak to themselves that, yeah, this is the right way to do things. But as the novel goes on, she begins to question, is it really? And what so looks like a utopia yeah. to her eventually becomes more of, you know, a nightmare as she becomes older and more aware of the downsides of a society like that, where the government controls the gene pool. So. Yeah, literally, literally controls the gene pool. And I'm actually, just as you said that, um, it made me think of uh, the movie Gattaca, which is um, not quite that. Have you seen, have you seen Gattaca? Not. Okay. Um, it's amazing. Uh, it's really, really good. It stars uh, Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman. And it's, um, it's again, it's a ways in the future, not super far in the future, but, you know, everybody, almost everybody at that point is a designer baby, essentially. Um, whether they're still, whether they're grown in test tubes or not, all of them is, I think, still is left somewhat open, but everyone's a, everyone's a designer baby um except for the small handful of people like ethan Hawke's character that are actually now um they're they're the second class citizens they're the ones who get carted around from from job to job on trucks and they're the they're the janitors they're the ditch diggers and regardless of ability that's just what they are they're considered as not having ability at that point anymore right um well in and, even the ditch diggers are genetically engineered <laughs> Everybody is genetically to be the here. best ditch digger possible. Yeah, I would yeah. say the Gattaca future hasn't gone that far yet. Yes, <laughs> but it's you know uh, you know it's one of those things. It would be a fun exercise to take various different um, various different uh, sci-fi novels and everything uh, or movies and actually line them up to see you know okay this is a prequel to that this is a sequel to this one and you know just just because they would I don't know. The nerd in me says that would be a good time. Uh, you know, a lot of people have done that with like Terminator and the Matrix, where like the Terminator eventually becomes the Matrix. Right. <laughs> they blend yeah. them. Which you yeah. can kind of see that. Uh, people yeah. have recently done that uh, with at least based off trailers for the movie Life that just came out, uh, saying that that could, that could work as a prequel uh, to the Venom movie that's about to, that's uh, in development at Sony. Right. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Reviewers have compared Avant Nation to a lot of different sci-fi mm -hmm. stories. Well, like it's yeah. been compared to The Giver, Hunger mm -hmm. Games, Divergent, The Matrix, and some other novels I haven't read, so I really don't know. 
how accurate it, it is. But the some of the comparisons surprised me, but some of them didn't surprise me at all. So. Right, right. There's there are um, I, we discuss we discuss this as well, where there are some superficial uh, similarities to uh, to the uh, the divergent series to the Giver. And as we were talking as uh, as we were talking and you know, talking about the uh, downloading of information essentially into into their uh, brains it's like okay yeah that's a that, that's a matrix similarity right there right um but yeah um it's also important to note that you know a lot of these uh things are essentially superficial when there's so much story out there in the world right. um you know for hundreds and thousands of years that uh, people have been writing stories guess what there's such a thing as overlap um <laughs> as uh, no new stories under the sun i think right. it's kind of true you just kind of rearrange them in different ways add new characters but the essential plots there's really nothing new out there i always think oh i've come up with something brand new and then come to find out oh it's already been done <laughs> yep yep so. that happens uh all the time even um with yeah, well, the, uh, star, star wars let's say yeah let's take right. star wars um it, you know every, Everybody know everybody knows that almost everyone, uh, at least in this country, has seen it, and most people that have seen it love it. Um, but you know what? There, there's there's overlap with other things. Uh, Asimov's uh, Robot and Foundation series. There's some overlap with. There's uh, lots of overlap with uh, Frank Herbert's Dune. Um, like tons of overlap. <laughs> right. Um, but okay. I don't think it was just overlap. I think he was cribbing, but. <laughs> The Hunger Games was like a total ripoff of Battle Royale. Have you seen that? I have never seen Battle Royale. Um, but I like the Hunger Games better. What can I say? So, and I love the Hunger Games. But I, I read that before I, I watched Battle Royale on Netflix one time. It's like, wow, this is how I see where she got her inspiration. And a lot of similarities here. Yeah. The Swordish Era, of course, is a big ripoff of. Uh, oh. Hi, Jake. How are you? What are, the <laughs> what are you? What brings you down here? And I, was, I was hoping if I could have some candy. Well, did you, is the living room all picked up? Yeah, Excuse me, everyone. He said. <laughs> he said it was. Okay. All right. You can have one piece. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, that was. No that <laughs> that was my uh my seven-year-old boy yeah. i am doing an interview jake okay all right buddy you probably heard my 15 year old come through with the dog a little while ago oh <laughs> uh, yes yeah one of the uh taglines i put for the one of the uh the, the keywords i put for the video one of the tags was uh writing with children yes <laughs> this this sort of thing happens i'm sorry um yeah. in fact uh, i think the last interview that i did i think my uh, five-year-old came down to say howdy i think it makes it more interesting Ooh. there was a, a oh, recent youtube video that went viral did you oh. see that i haven't the, seen the video but i've heard about it yeah he was given a serious interview on some big network and his kids come strolling through <laughs> funny so <laughs> that is just awesome um <laughs> Oh goodness, where were where were we? Um, we we're comparing. We're comparing. Well, I started comparing novels to ones that 
that, that share similarities. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, I'm under, I, I understand that Avant Nation is actually uh, in, you've got a sequel in the works. Right, one that you are going to edit for me, hopefully. I look forward to that very much. It's already, the sequel, the rough draft is already written. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm doing the third book, too, since they're interconnected. I wanted to have that most of the way done before I go through and do a second draft so I can fix things that need fixed based on what happens in the third. So you'll be seeing that come through to your desk soon, hopefully. <laughs> uh, I, I definitely am looking forward to it. If it's half as yeah. good as uh, yeah. the other stuff that I've read from you, um, I'm, I, I'm I sure like it'll be a refreshing treat, actually. <laughs> I hope you like it. <laughs> um, I lost my train of thought now, too. I hate it when that happens. It, it happens all yeah. the time. But for, again, for those of us, uh, for, for those of children, you know exactly what we're talking about. It doesn't matter how much time you spend thinking about something ahead of time. It's just the butterflies, squirrels. It, right. It just, it just happens. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're, so, you're so used to having to divert your attention all the time from like one thing to the next and they're completely and utterly unrelated. Your brain will just be like, I, I focus on this too long. I'm, I'm, going, I'm going away now for... I'll be back. That's just how it works, right? I think. Um, so let's see. You've got Avant Nation two in in the works. Uh, is now? Do you have any other works that are out there in the uh, out there in the ether? I do. I have a book. The first one I self published was called Red the First. Okay. And what is that it's one about? A, I, I'm completely unfamiliar is, with this book. That's a post apocalyptic one with. Uh, Aliens. I'm going to pull it up real quick just to refresh my own memory. <laughs> it's a, it's post-apocalyptic. It's about a, a guy. His name is Red Wakeland, and uh, that's hence the name Red the First. The mm -hmm. pandemic has a pretty much wiped out most of humanity, but a curious thing happens. It leaves the survivors with strange new abilities well what was it that was um wiped out most of humanity you were breaking up there for a minute an alien pandemic i hate those yeah but they didn't know at the time it was aliens at first they come to find out it was aliens that wanted to take the earth so they said well we'll just wipe them out with this pandemic but they didn't that's a nice uh reversal on the way that the story typically goes yeah so uh red has to make them aware that the aliens did it because they were blaming the Middle East. The Middle East was blaming the Americans and so forth. And he has to help prepare humanity for the final battle against the aliens. Awesome. But, but uh, that leads to a whole series um, that stems from that, which my book Emerge and my book Seeker follow about what happens after Final so you've got a whole list of other so you've got a whole bunch of other books that you've yeah. already read it's like an epic fantasy meets pop culture because of okay they end up i, I don't want to give everything away but it, well, they end that, up like the world like, has altered yeah. because of everything that happens it's all like almost like a no i don't want to get into it because okay all right all right well we'll leave that for the reason and then I also have a book called The Wish Thief. It's more of a middle grade young adult for a younger audience. It's a little cleaner. You won't have the sexual situations or the, the swearing that's in some of my other novels. 
you know yeah, that's actually, a lot of christian undertones yeah. to it right but it's a modern world called tala it's it's okay described as like a sister planet to earth but both planets are they're not aware of each other hmm. but they're on the same trajectory okay and, interesting but tala is two to three thousand years older than earth but this kind of present day earth like there but they christ hasn't been incarnated the okay. incarnation hasn't happened yet so it's the underlying theme it's very underlying the kids aren't going to see it it's just the adventurous part is for them you know they, that's all they need to worry about but an adult can see how it symbolizes the coming of christ her discovery of this object that's called the elboni she discovers it in a cave it's like a priceless treasure she's on yeah. a treasure hunt and she finds this thing instead but it um that's symbolizes really god. actually it symbolizes god and the discovery of god and his coming so. okay huh well okay there you go so we've got um let's call it let's call it pre-christian fantasy right we've got um post post-apocalyptic aliens yes <laughs> with superpowers <laughs> right oh, i love this and uh and we've got um dystopian dystopian uh totalitarian utopia um right. dystopian utopia that doesn't work um and and, and we've got and we've got a straight up eschatological end of the world right and the wish thief is a fantasy too but it's more like a a modern fantasy and there's magic in it and mm -hmm. aliens in that one too so <laughs> all right all right okay so the question that comes to mind is um why the general focus on the uh on the sci-fi and you know apocalyptic future scenarios i don't know <laughs> just what comes out i always set out to write just a straight with none stuff. And then I'm like, this is boring. I have to add a little supernatural element to it. And that's what happens. <laughs> All right. No, I've, I've, always it's... Liked, I've always liked that kind of stuff since my youngest days, like Wrinkle in Time. Um, I remember yep. reading that like in the third grade. And I liked the um, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And um, my first novel, sort of novel, not really a novel, was a space alien novel in the fourth grade for the young authors contest. Oh, cool. It was space aliens. <laughs> I just always liked that. So oh, right. I also had a fascination with this natural. I don't know, maybe most viewers are probably too young to remember the show Night Gallery. It was like a like I never a, really watched it, but I know what you're talking about. Series. And my mom, I was like just a little kid, like maybe kindergarten, but I used to stay up late and watch it with my mom. And she'd be like, it's going to give you, give you nightmares. And I'd be like, I hope so. I love scary dreams. <laughs> <laughs> and I was disappointed. I never had nightmares from it. So <laughs> <laughs> my that says things and I don't know if they're good. Um, and Oh, I was always fascinated with them. Um, I remember my mom talking about, this is back kind of to Comet Dust, 
talking about her, how her mother went through the house and put up dark curtains because she thought the three days of darkness was imminent. And I'm like, well, what's the three days of darkness? And my mom said, well, it's God's going to punish the world by, <laughs> my mom was always really open with this kind of stuff. Uh -huh. So yeah. um, she didn't try to shield me from it. Now, some of my sisters had to be shielded. I have four sisters because this stuff would scare them to death, but I love to hear it. My mom liked that kind of stuff. So we were kind of, we would share our tales like you're the better scary stuff and she knew she could tell me without giving me nightmares um but she'd be like well the god's going to punish the earth by sending a dark fog across the earth for three days and he will open the gates of hell and the demons will come out and roam through the darkness and anyone caught outdoors will be be killed whether they're good or bad. And if you look out the window, if you even glimpse out the window, you will drop dead on the spot. And the only thing, the only light that will burn is that of a blessed candle. And I'd be like, oh, when's this supposed to happen, mom? When? <laughs> and um, as she's putting up, as she's putting up the dark curtains, right? Right. Right. So I was disappointed, though. It didn't happen. And I was really disappointed to find out, oh, it's from that Garabandal apparition that that came from. And that's been just, you know, that's not approved by the church. But come to find out, um, other prophets, you know, other saints, saints had visions along those lines. Have, have mentioned similar things so i'm like oh so it's not really debunked and um i uh do you care am i talking too much <laughs> no 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 you're fine uh, you're fine i mean honestly that's, that's really interesting and um without i don't want to give away too much but um i will say that this does come out in comic dust and right. um it's genuinely it, it, it's a little terrifying yeah right. <laughs> I found out, you know, it's not just one prophet who has said it. So I have to take it a little more seriously. Right, right. And um, the illumination of conscience, mm -hmm. also called the mini judgment or the warning, that's also in the book. I mean, that's right there, bam, in the right. first, begins of the first chapter. But um, there's a lot of prophecies about that as well mm -hmm. and sometimes you have to read between the lines to say okay this is what you know this is the elimination of conscience sometimes it's hard to tell if it's the same right. event that's being pro prophesized but my interest in that stemmed from a dream i had back in um, college when i was an atheist mm -hmm. and i had and looking back you know i did i had not heard of the elimination of conscience i did not know what that was and Saint Faustina, who you know, with the divine image of the divine mercy of you know, with Jesus, mm -hmm. that that famous portrait, like where the rays of light right, yeah, coming out of the wounds and so of Jesus and so forth. I hadn't heard of that when I had the dream either, because this would have been like the late 1980s. Right, um, right. It, it hadn't it achieved nearly the uh, uh the, the the presence that it has now. Yeah, I think it was 
at that point, I think it wasn't, it was still banned. I'm not sure as like, it might be, maybe. Period. The, the divine mercy messages where they were like suppressed. Mm -hmm. yep. I have still been John Paul I and, and that when I had the dream, but I had this dream and looking in hindsight, I think maybe God is trying to tell me something because it's a lot of the things that happen in the illumination of conscience and the prophecies, what I expect to happen, that dream kind of followed along. So that got me interested late in later years, not at the time, but you know, like 20 years later, I'm like, because the dream had a big impact on me. I always thought about it, remembered it, and it didn't like convert me or anything, but it was intense enough that I gave it a lot of thought over the years. Right. And that is really probably the main catalyst that got me to writing Comet Dust. Because I'm huh, like, interesting. wow, it was like a personal connection to some of these prophecies. And I wanted, you know, how, you know, if this really happened, how would it play out? And that's why I decided to make the main character a college student because when I had the dream, I was a college student. We were college student, that makes sense. So, <laughs> but we don't have a lot of similarities beyond that. But um, she well, was a the, uh, I was a business major. Okay. I had elementary education, though. But but so just a little bit of info there on my inspiration for Comet Dust. Oh, cool. Now, um, you said something a little while back. About um, like swearing in the sexual situation, books. And I want to say, um, I was genuinely surprised um, to find that in Common Dust, not, not not upset at all. It all flows very well. It's an organic part of the story. Um, and I think it's the better for it. Um, again, uh, not something that one expects to find in an overtly uh, Christ Christian work. Um, so I, I think you've already kind of addressed. Um, you know why that is is reflecting yeah. real life and real people right not uh not not this not this idealized vision of what uh, we might hope um real life would is like but right you know we don't know isn't <laughs> exactly um, so we don't live in a vacuum we we live, we live in the real world <laughs> a world full of both good and evil and mm -hmm. my characters reflect that I, I would agree with it. I see that even already, even though I'm not nearly as far in it as I would like to be, but I see that already in Avant Nation where, um, yeah, yeah, some of the characters are, they're obviously the good guys, they're obviously the bad guys, but still, you see where they're coming from. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, uh, gosh, I was going to get into uh, actually quite a bit uh, more, but um, we're already running a little long, and I think... And I know that there are, I've got my uh, kids upstairs. Lord knows what they're doing right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so to close out, and we'll just have to address some of those other things uh, when we come back and do this when Avant Nation 2 is uh, closer to coming out. Because um, assuming you're willing, because I would love to have you back. Right. I'd love to come back. Now, um, to close out, what are three books, and they can't be your own because that's cheating, um, <laughs> three books that if you had the ability to force everyone to read, what would they be? I actually thought about this and I'm like, I don't think I would have, there's any book that I'd force anyone to read because I think in order for them to have an impact, you have to be in a certain place in your life. So 
Um, change the question. What three books do you think do you think everyone should read voluntarily? Uh, well, the same answer applies. I can tell you what three books had the most impact on me. That'll work. But I don't think they would have the same impact on someone else. Fair enough. Fair and enough. some of them are going to seem kind of silly, but like one of the books that comes to mind is The Sword of Shannara. Really? Probably 13 years old when I read it. And uh, I was in a phase in my life where everything was boring. <laughs> I just, this was, maybe it was a depressed phase, but I felt like uh, life had lost its luster. But I read that book and I thought, well, the most mundane things can be interesting um, to someone who, you know, this setting is not their normal setting. So I should just appreciate life. Because a hundred years ago, just walking into the post office and um, ordering a stamp might be something super interesting to see, you know, in, in my life, you know, I'm kind of rambling here. That's like, well, just appreciate it. Help me appreciate the moment and see the adventure in life. Okay. So, and then the other book would be, um, oh, if, as a writer. There's a book called a. I hope I'm getting the title right. Writing the Breakout Novel by Donald. Uh, not sure how you say it. Moss. M A. I think I've heard of it. Yeah. A S. I think he's yeah, a Moss. Moss would be right. Yeah. And a writer. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a, a lot of practical advice. Okay. About, um, how to weave subplots, making your characters larger than life and why that's a good idea. Mm -hmm. A lot of people recommend Stephen King's on writing. I've heard of that, yeah. It's a good book, but it just does not go into depth like this writing the breakout novel does. So I recommend that for writers. And then another book that had a big, big impact on me would be The Secret of the Rosary by okay. St. Louis Montfort. Up until that, I just looked at prayer as um, something you said as fast as you, as fast as you could, and I never really thought about right. the meaning or uh, what, what the point of it is. Yeah, <laughs> right. And it really helped me develop a prayer life, a rich prayer life. So I would recommend that. Well, so. there you go. Well, all right. Okay. So there you. So there you go. We've got uh, we've got epic fantasy. We've got writing and we've got prayer all, all wrapped up in one uh, short recommendation list. Right. <laughs> I like it. It's not, it's, it's not unlike, um, it's not unlike your literary catalog. <laughs> right. Now, it it, it, it really is. And it's very similar. Yeah, I'm an eclectic reader and an eclectic writer. I like to blend different genres and that's me. Very good. Um, and now, uh, before we go, where can people find you? I am on, uh, I have this handy dandy list right here. <laughs> All right. Hopefully it's not backwards when uh, it shows up, but I am on, um, that's my website, World of CD. Oh, I was going to say, you've got to, you've got to read it out because the camera's not working. Oh, <laughs> World of CD Vierhoff. Okay. Uh, Twitter at CD Vierhoff. C is in cat, D is in dog, Beerhoff. 
V is in Victor, E-R-H-O-F-F. And then I'm also on Facebook at C.D. Vierhoff, comma, author. So, so my, I'm not going to be on there at all, just my voice. Okay. That, that is unfortunately correct. I don't oh. know why we were not able to get this working, but um, it, it's not. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Um, but uh, so anyway, that's, that's where we find you, that your website and your Facebook. And um, is that is that pretty much cover everything? Where can we find your books at? They're on Amazon. Very good. They're on Amazon. Are they also on Barnes and Noble or any anywhere else? Or just uh, the a few of them are, but uh, go to Amazon. Okay. The, the most recent ones are all on Amazon and nowhere else. They're exclusive to Amazon. And but you can find they're all listed on Goodreads as well, so people can go and check out uh, right. reviews and whatnot. Okay. Right. Well, all right. Well, hey, thank you so much for coming on. It has been a fantastic interview. Okay. Thanks and for having me. My hopefully. pleasure. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. So hopefully next one, the next one, we won't have all these technical difficulties. No kidding. My goodness. <laughs> all right. And for everybody watching, um, thank, well, thank you very much for watching and tune in next time when I'll either be here by myself or bring another author and we'll have another fun conversation about what they're doing. Um, you can find me at gingermaneditorial.wordpress.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter at gingermaneditor, and you can also find me on both Fiverr and Upwork. Just search for gingermaneditor. Eventually, I will come up. All right, and with that, I want to say thanks again for watching, and we will see you next time.